welcome to the Funeral Fix podcast. I'm Oliver Thompson. And I'm Yaz Trelope. The Funeral Fix podcast brings you informative, engaging and inspiring discussions about all things funeral celebrancy, including working with grief, the art of ritual and ceremony, and how, as aspiring or highly qualified funeral celebrants, we have the opportunity to make a huge impact on our communities. We believe that the work of funeral celebrants is truly special and deserves the spotlight. So whether you're a seasoned celebrant, a fresh face in the industry, or just someone curious about the beautiful world of funeral ceremonies, you're in the right place. Each episode will be a deep dive into the heart and soul of funeral celebrancy. And we're not just scratching the surface. We're peeling back the layers, exploring the artistry, the compassion, and the incredible stories that make this profession so meaningful. We're not shying away from the tough conversations either. Grief is a part of life. And as celebrants, we embrace it with empathy and grace. We'll be sharing insights on navigating those sensitive moments and creating ceremonies that truly honour and celebrate life. So whether you're a funeral industry professional, a celebrant in the making, or simply someone seeking inspiration, join us every fortnight as we dive deep into the world of funeral celebrancy. It's time to level up your understanding, get inspired, and celebrate the extraordinary world of funerals with the Funeral Fix podcast. Hi, and welcome to episode two, Crafting Unique Ceremonies, how funeral ceremony is evolving. Today, we talk about modern funeral ceremonies, what they are, how they've changed over time, and where they're heading next. We're also going to give some examples on ceremonies that both Yaz and I have been a part of, where we've been able to get the information that we need, the golden nugget, to really create an impactful ceremony. There's also going to be some tips and tricks on how you can also ask the right questions to get the information you need to start to modernise your ceremonies as well. Of course, no talk about modern funeral ceremony would ever be complete without talking about the importance of rituals and physical acts of doing. So Ollie and I run through a couple of examples that have really stood out to us over the last few years. We hope you like the episode. So, Ollie, episode two. Yes, I know. This is amazing. How exciting. Uh, yeah, I was about to say that. I'm so excited about this episode because this is all about crafting unique ceremonies and how funeral ceremony is evolving. Great topic. Great topic. So, funeral ceremonies have been a part of human culture for centuries, offering a chance to honor and remember the person who has died. Mm. But what we found all is that for many, many years, these ceremonies were really sacred. There was so much beauty and depth in these ceremonies with these time-honored rites and rituals that had been passed down from generation to generation. Mm. But over the course of time, we found ourselves in a state of repetition and funerals became a little bit lacklustre, impersonal, yeah, or dare I even say it, depressing. <laughs> Probably more depressing than it really needed to be. But I think you would agree that we've seen a shift in recent years in how funerals and end-of-life ceremonies are actually being conducted. And, I mean, people are looking more and more for ways to make those end-of-life ceremonies more personal and reflective of that individual's life. Mm. 
And I think with the rise of, say, alternative funeral practices, eco-friendly burials, creative memorial services, the industry, the funeral industry, is undergoing what I would say is a significant transformation. What do you think? 100%. And it's so exciting to actually be here at this time. Mm-hmm. It's such an opportunity for modern funeral celebrants like us and so many of our students and graduates from the funeral fix in that now is the time that a path is being forged, a new way of doing things is unfolding before us. And to really be able to not just bring back some of those really beautiful sacred traditions and rituals that may have been lost over time, Mm. but also really kind of lean into new ways of doing things. It's a wonderful, wonderful time to be a funeral celebrant. And really excitingly, I think we're seeing more and more people consider funerals before they've actually died. So living wakes or living funerals. And Yaz, you and I were talking the other day about one of our students from the Funeral Fix who also attended our in-person session in Melbourne in 23. Uh, She's created her own business focused purely on living wakes and living funerals. So what what an amazing way for somebody to be able to honour a life, especially if that person is still alive and is able to be there to to say farewell to everybody there. Because people have so much more access to information around Mm -hmm. death and end-of-life care. They are really open and interested Mm. in new ways of doing things. And I think The Living Wake is a wonderful example of that. And even I know some of so many of my clients are looking for new ways in terms of not just the funeral itself, but also the ceremony. And how can we make that modern and really engaging and deeply, deeply healing for everyone who's present. Mm. So Ollie, what does a modern funeral ceremony look like? What does that actually mean when we pick that apart and dissect that term? Because it is thrown around quite a lot. What does that really mean? So I think for me, it's like modern funeral ceremonies are really breaking away from that cookie cutter mold and they are really focused on personalization. Mm. Uh, Yeah, they focus on perhaps celebrating that person's life instead of mourning their death or finding that balance between still celebrating Mm. their achievements, their characteristics, their quirks, but obviously mourning their death, which is still an important part of ceremony and ritual and healing as well. Mm. Um, I think incorporating like hobbies or passions, their personality, like I said, characteristics or quirks into the ceremony, thinking about the location where it might be, what people are doing. Um, I know the funeral that I did recently, we all had a cheers to this person's favorite Pinot Gris, you know, as a, as a farewell, it was like the final thing and it was so personal and it connected people a lot to that particular moment because this person was renowned for loving their Pinot Gris. Mm. So incorporating things like that is such a way to make things personalised and it really helps the guests there just connect with what's going on and feel very much a part of it and interactive. 100%. And I think, as you said, there definitely is this balance between celebrating a person's life and mourning their death. Mm. The event of a funeral is often sad, not always, but it is an often sad occasion. Mm. But that doesn't necessarily mean that the ceremony has to be sad. Mm. It doesn't mean that it has to hold a sense of heaviness and grief the entire way through. And in the course, we talk a lot about 
creating elements of light and shade Mm. and where we can really offer people who are at the funeral this chance to lean into their feelings of grief but also find those lighter moments so that they're taken on a journey of healing where there are ups and there are downs Mm. and they have the opportunity and the space to really lean into whatever they're feeling at the time. And I think that that is one of the nuances of modern funeral ceremony and creating this ceremonial arc. So we as ceremonialists really offer people the chance to go to their depths and lean into the edges wherever they feel comfortable Mm. but also have the time and space to laugh if they need to and to reflect as they need to when i'm approaching my ceremonies and my funerals overall i look at it as a multi-sensory experience and a multi-sensory approach Mm. where i bring in sights not just through the multimedia or the audio visual yeah but also look at opportunities to bring in smells Mm. what I did this beautiful, beautiful ceremony and and I planned the whole funeral. So uh, I did all the styling and everything up in Brisbane and the lady whose funeral it was had lived in Tahiti for many years and her favourite scent was lemongrass. Oh, wow. So we burnt, yeah, it was so beautiful. All of the flowers were tropical inspired. We had bamboo chairs. It was very, the whole styling was very much leaning into that tropical vibe and we burnt lemongrass essential oils as people were walking in and it was so amazing seeing Mm. those who knew her particularly well walking into that ceremonial space and the scent of lemongrass hitting them their nose And they were. They would have felt they were at the day spa instead of funeral. How beautiful. It was so beautiful. But so many of them commented Mm. on the nostalgia that that scent brought back for them and how they really felt like her essence was in the room. Yeah. Because not only looking around the space, but also smelling the space, like every sense in their body was tapped into essentially so that we could really create this multi-sensory experience. And I feel like it was so special. And isn't it exciting, like as a celebrant to be able to see guests experiencing this moment of surprise Mm. and delight where it's like, I was not expecting that, but you know, that is such a beautiful way to connect me as a guest with what's going on. Like we get to experience people experiencing this, right? It is that element of surprise and delight. I love those words because it is exactly that. And it is the antithesis of what, you know, funerals had kind of become where you can walk into this bleak room with no heart and soul. Mm. And I think the way that things are going is really about bringing the heart and soul back into ceremony. And I'm so here for it, Ollie. I agree. And I think it's so exciting as a celebrant to be empowered and to feel able to be able to make creative suggestions to the family as well. Um, Because I know that when I'm having conversations with families or friends, I'll often hear little things about their person. And then I'm like, in my mind thinking, how can we incorporate that into the ceremony? And often I'll just sort of suggest it and it might sort of be a bit think tanked, but once we start to actually break it down, it can sometimes be a really simple yet super, super effective and creative way of creating a ritual that isn't something that, you know, we've just Googled or pulled offline or seen done before, but it's actually thinking about what's relevant and important to this person and what's a creative way that we can actually bring that together and signify them or signify that. Which definitely brings me to my next point, and that's the importance of rituals and the physical acts of 
doing. I feel like for me, and I know for you, the way that we approach ceremony is very similar. Mm. And it is those acts of doing or rituals without any religious yep. connotation. That's, that's really the word that we use. Just really, it's an act of doing. And it can be anything as small as lighting a candle to something much bigger than that. Mm. But talk to me about the importance of these these acts within a ceremony? Well, I think everything that we've kind of spoken about today in terms of the approach and incorporating different elements are essentially incorporating rituals and and often physical acts of doing, whether it be, you know, like the multi-sensory example you gave. I've had something similar where everybody was encouraged to take a little bit of this particular man's perfume because he was so, he had this particular fragrance that was like his signature scent, right? So everyone was encouraged to sort of have it on them, take it with them, spray it on a tissue or something so they had something to smell. It's a physical act of doing. And I think these elements provide a sense of like connection in the moment, in the ceremony, but also it can help with bringing them along their grieving journey or their healing journey. 100%. Mm. And I think equally as important as the act of doing is the act of undoing. Mm. And that is becoming totally present to be settled. And that can literally just be giving people a couple of minutes to settle in. And we talked about this in episode one and how important it is to give people the opportunity just to sit and to be, especially as you open the ceremony. Mm. And I think that that in itself is a ritual definitely in that it provides that space to just come together as a community i have used a few times actually especially with children i've been doing a lot of um, children's ceremonies lately which are so beautiful and i feel so honored to be guiding parents through their child's ceremony mm. But one thing that I do, especially with the children, is give people the opportunity not just to sit in stillness for a few minutes, but to potentially hold the person next to them in some way Mm. or if they're touching them, maybe give them a little squeeze. And then I invite them to open their eyes and look around. Look around to the people sitting next to you, sitting across from you, Mm. and look them in the eyes and know that together you are that person's community and you're all there to support and hold one another. Mm -hmm. And I feel like giving them permission, because often at funerals, when you think about it, people maybe don't want to make eye contact. They're kind of in their own little world, Mm. but it is such a beautiful way to really help people connect with each other. And for the parents in particular, in that instance, to feel really held and really, really supported by everyone that's there and So I think that that is another important piece of creating these deeply, deeply healing and personalized ceremonies where you're looking at these points of connection and really engaging the audience. Mm. It's not a passive ceremony Mm. anymore. I feel like it's definitely more engaging and more interactive Mm. and there's so much healing in that. Mm. I think even when you talked about the group of guests being a support for each other, what I, what I feel so often when people are getting up to share eulogies or uh, share tributes is they can feel this immense pressure on them to speak really well, to mm. control the microphone and their levels really well and to get all the words out really well and really well paced and all that sort of thing. And I, could, I can feel so often they're just so concerned about not crying and doing all of these things. And often in my ceremony, I will just say, what you're about to do or what you have just done by sharing can be one of the most difficult things ever. Mm. But just remember every single person here 
is here to support all of you, all of us. We're all here for the same reason. Mm. And it just puts things into perspective and then they're like, oh, yeah, it is actually okay if I need to take a moment and dry my tears or blow my nose or whatever it may be because let's face it, that happens. Yes, it does. (laughs) I love that so much. And, you know, I think this leads us to another really important point and that is before you even get to the ceremony. Mm. It's like, how do you craft ceremonies? Where do you start in terms of those points of connection in creating a really unique and meaningful funeral ceremony? When I'm in conversation with family or friends, I will just hear certain things, right? So sitting there having conversations, whether that be in person or online, over the phone, whatever it may be, if you can just listen, just be still and listen. And it's almost like, If you're actively listening, which we discuss in the course, funnily Mm. enough, if you're actively listening, it's like you can find those golden nuggets. You can hear them. And then it's almost like, okay, that's probably important. That's probably important. And then you can start to really think, how can I connect that to a ritual Mm. or something that we can do in order to make something really personalized. What I also do is I have my questions that I send to the family ahead of our meeting so that they're primed and ready. But when I get to the meeting, I don't open the questions. I don't actually look at the questions. I ask them if they're comfortable with me recording Mm. our interview so that I don't have to even take notes. I know that it's all being recorded so that when I enter that space to meet with them, my phone is like upside down, but it's recording. I don't have to worry that I'm not jotting something down or kind of going through my questions. Once everything's set up and I've sat with them, obviously I've made the moment of connection before I get out my phone. But when we then start to converse and have those conversations, I'm totally engaged and present with them. I'm not thinking, oh my gosh, I need to write this down. I'm not going through my list of questions with my laptop in front of me. It's literally, how can I talk to you person to person Mm. so that we can ensure that we create something beautiful together because it is 100% a collaboration with that family. We we often, sometimes, we know the person who's died, but more often than not, we don't. So we're not the experts in that person. It's up to us to really be the ones that are asking the right questions, Mm. gathering those stories, and then weaving them into this beautiful, deeply meaningful ceremony and guiding the family through that. Yeah. I think, I think, yeah, you're spot on having those questions, having them really open-ended that really give an opportunity for people to give you those kind of golden nuggets. Then you can sort of discuss perhaps what their favorite music or quotes or traditions, whatever it may, whatever it may be, even if it's a really small thing, it can still be incredible to bring that to life and put it into the ceremony. And I think Well, I know I'm not afraid to think outside the box, Mm. but I always speak to celebrants and I'm like, just think outside the box if you feel encouraged to. If it's something that you've never heard being done at a funeral before, but you think it's right for this person and this group of people, absolutely you should do it. You know, you should feel confident that what you think is right is going to be right. And I think if you lean into it and you give it a go, you will know whether it's whether it's the right thing or not. One of my favorite rituals to do within ceremony as well is to give people the opportunity to write because I feel like not everyone is capable of speaking. Some people like to process their emotions through words. And so having a space within the ceremony, depending obviously on how many people are there, I find this works really well in a more intimate setting and Mm. more intimate ceremony. Mm -hmm. 
but having a couple of their favorite songs playing in the background and giving handing out a pen and a note card yeah and then having the opportunity to really write and express their words or if there's little kids there draw a picture it also is so beautiful if the casket's there and they can draw on the casket or write on the casket and then often families when i talk to them about this when they want that written element is we might have a tree a small tree at the front of the ceremony where people can come up and tie their notes on the Mm. tree and so at the end of the ceremony there's this beautiful visual representation of this tree with covered in little notes tied with string and it looks so beautiful and the family can then take that with them and plant it or put it in a plot plant inside so i think it's It's really looking for ways it may not be reinventing the wheel, but it's just looking for ways that really are really beautiful and symbolic and meaningful for that individual family, Mm. for them to process their grief in a way that is really aligned. Yeah. And I know you talked about writing. What I'm seeing a lot lately, actually, is coffin decorating as well. I know you've been a part of ceremonies where coffins have been decorated, Mm. but more and more these days, I'm actually having the family suggest that pretty early on. Sort of, you know, when I might start talking, they'll be like, well, we want to have the coffin there and we want to be able to decorate it in the ceremony. Mm. Or sometimes it's even before the ceremony, like the coffin might be delivered to the family's home and they kind of collage it. But I've seen that happen before. And, you know, that can be such a healing thing as well. Even before the day of the ceremony, families actually having a moment to be with this box, this coffin, knowing that it's going to be their their person's last physical resting place. So, yeah, I'm hearing more and more of families that are actually guiding a lot of those um, more alternate rituals, I guess you could say. Mm, Yes. Which is very exciting. It is so exciting. I'm definitely experiencing that too. One of my favourite ceremonies ever. All the women of this boy, he was a 20-something-year-old boy, all the women of this boy's life got together and tie-dyed his shroud. So they had this big, Mm. huge piece of calico, organic calico, and they all spent the day tie-dyeing it together in a women's circle. It was so beautiful. And then on the day of the ceremony, it was actually the day before he was buried. It was a huge, he loved Burning Man. So we had this Burning Man-inspired festival of Tom, and it was so divine. There was rock painting and face painting. Mm. And in the middle of the ceremony at this beautiful hall out in the bush up here on the Gold Coast, that we had all day, there was the shroud was laid over this huge long table and people were invited to bring with them a a piece of material or something to decorate the shroud with. And so his best mate, they used to go to festivals together and they used to wear the same shorts all the time. So his best mate cut up his shorts and then sewed a bit of like the shorts onto the shroud. People had written letters. There was like beads sewn in. It was the most incredible work of art by the end of the day. It was so beautiful. I've seen some of the photos, I think, from that yes, memorial. Yes, in the video. It was so magical. And, and it so- really does look like a festival, like that kind of Burning yeah. Man sort of style. So well done on the theming there. Thank you. It was really special. It was so beautiful. And then when it came time to the official ceremony, so throughout the day people could come and go and there were all these different activities, but we had a set time for the official ceremony. And 
everyone bought drums and there was a big drumming circle. And at the end of the official ceremony, his brother and sister and mother carried the shroud from the table down mm. into the middle of the ceremonial circle and folded it up all beautifully. And it was wow. so powerful. Yeah. Yeah. And then, of course, we wrapped him in that shroud and he was then buried the next day and we had another burial ceremony following that. So it was so – and his family were really driving that. They had yeah. all these incredibly creative ideas and yeah. it was just so – I was so grateful to be able to hold them through that and guide them through that and facilitate that ceremony. It was really one I'll never forget. Mm, that's great. And I think a lot of people – this is perhaps another topic for another day – but people don't realise what they can and can't do when it comes to end-of-life ceremonies. And the reality is you can do pretty much anything, you know, provided yeah. that in Australia the body is either cremated or bury, buried – then there's no real rules about how you memorialise someone. So, yeah, we can absolutely be as creative and as personalised as we need. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Funeral Fix podcast. If you're ready to embark on your funeral celebrant training, visit our website www.funeralfix.com.au for immediate access. Use code PODCAST to save $120 off the full price course. Plus, enjoy peace of mind with our 30-day money-back guarantee. In the spirit of reconciliation, the Funeral Fix acknowledges the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today.